Well, I mean, I am ready because you've just clicked the ready button. You fuck. You fuck. 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 All right. Anyway, fuck. 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 All right. Anyway, and and welcome to Creative Apocalypse episode seventy-seven. Who fucking knows at this point? Really? Like, why would? Why do we even? Why do we even go through this? What are we doing to ourselves? I'll. I'll, I don't know. Poultry audience that fucking listen to us every couple of weeks. What do they expect from us? Well, if you occasionally share the podcast and no, on the day it goes up as well. That's. Just send me a message to say it's gone live. It goes up every on Mondays. It every always Monday. goes up on a Monday. I remember Monday. Okay. Every other Monday. That's added to the list. Monday. That's up here. Like a steel fucking trap. That's in the head now. I'm not going to forget, am I? All right. Um, so, welcome everyone to Cricket Apocalypse. Cricket Apocalypse, a bi-weekly show in which we talk about stuff and fangs we've been up to in the last two weeks. Two and weeks. Well, a week ago, we recorded the Crit Apocalypse podcast. Best, best of, yeah. lo- best of twenty seventeen. So not really been two weeks. No, well, it's not been two weeks. It's been four weeks because technically we haven't done a review issue in quite some time. Whose fault is that? Well, I would say life's. Hmm. Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. No more. Nunamas. Anyway, so uh, we record this every couple of weeks and we talk about shit, don't we? We just talk about shit. We just talk about shit that we've done and our views. And we're not professional. We're not professional. Um, or, you know, anything really. I'm, I'm what? I'm, I'm a fucking, I'm complaints and compliance manager for an energy brokerage. How's that, how's that sound? How's that? L- ah, ah, I should totally review media. I'm totally like, you know, I'm, I'm the voice of reason for people. You know, you want to listen to me if you want to find out what you want to watch because I know all about Systems, CRM mm. systems. You want to talk about that? Do you want to talk about any sort of, you know, GPS logging systems? We can do. Babies know about that, man. I mean, all right. Anyway, anyway, that's besides the point. That's besides the point. Well, you want to do a GPS logging no, system podcast? All right. Anyway, so everybody, welcome, welcome once again. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. It's going to be a dignified affair this week. I think that what I'm going to review anyway is quite. Uh, it's quite steamed. Are you stalling for time? No, because you've got my notes. Just bring up my notes. Notes. Um, it's quite quite an esteemed review. You can't look. Don't look. Just get on with it. All right. Okay. So who's first this week? You are. I'm first. This- oh fuck! I wasn't prepared for that. No. Nah, oh, my first review is going to be Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past. Overrated. What? Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past. I think it's overrated. Uh, How I'll do you have feel? to end the podcast here. Then. <laughs> really? What's your first review? That was it. Is what? that not good enough? No. Okay. My first review is The Mummy Demastered. All right. By Way Forward. All right. Uh, well, did anyone see the Mummy movie? Was I the only person? Yeah. I feel like I was the only, You're person, the only person to watch the Mummy. See, it. <laughs> see, I was being smart. I made sure I didn't see any bad films. You were being smart. You were being smart using your brain knowledge until I self-sabotaged by going to see Transformers. And then the you hurt night. your mind grapes. Yeah, but I immediately jumped back on and saw nothing but good films for the rest of the year. Oh, yeah, what were the good films you saw after that? Well, when I say good films, I mean at least passable. Oh, right. Yeah, so not I good, mediocre, but... Like, well... Ones you can watch um, without wanting to murder people. Um, all right, I'll give you that. I watched Suicide Squad three times and I didn't kill anyone, so I think that it's impossible to be... See, I only watched that once. What's wrong with you? Turned into a murderer by a movie. Uh, all right. So, what, so what was I reviewing? I don't what did I fucking know. say? You had notes. No, but I had it. I said something just now. <sighs> Look at your notes. No, because this, it's not on the notes. This is the first review. It's the only one I haven't put notes oh, for. God. Ah! What did I say I was going to review? 
this is painful. Um, all right, my first review is going to be Happy Death Day. That is, film from this it? year, last year. Happy Death Day. I'm going to talk about that. So Happy Death Day is a horror... I thought you were reviewing the Mummy Remastered. Oh, there we go. Mummy Demastered. There we see? go. All right. Happy Death Jesus. Day is actually pretty good. Go see it. It's a Ryan Reynolds. Don't waste that. Because right, but no, that the Mummy Demastered is a uh, game by WayForward. They're the people that used to make the... Well, they made the Metroid Samus... Not Samus Returns. The one before that. Zero Mission. They made friggin' all the Shantae games. They made the Shantae games. Yeah, there's um, that Aliens game on the DS, which is friggin' awesome. Yeah. Uh, Double Dragon Neon. Like, yeah. There's a whole ton of... But they made they they, that did awesome they, Contra game on DS. Did they make... They made one of the Metroid games. You know, it was either Zero Mission or... I don't think so. No? Anyway, uh, this plays very much like a Metroid game. Uh, you got a gun. You got some baddies. You shoot the baddies. You get some life. Ooh. You work for Russell Crowe. He plays Tom Cruise. You're a lady. What? So you get beaten around a lot by Russell Crowe? No. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? You're genderless, which is even better. Oh, you're Tom Cruise. Gender fluid. You're not Tom Cruise in this. Why not? Because he is in the film, and the film was fucking awful. So they were like, we're not going to make the film the game. We're going to oh. make the game the movie. And now they've made the game the movie, which better than the game the film, the film the game. It was awful. Uh, so you play an unnamed soldier who goes into a um, a chapel that's buried in Iraq, or Iran, I can't remember. Um, you have to shoot things and you fight mummies or mummies, as they're called in the new movie. It's a reboot. It's a reboot. Oh. So they're, they're no longer mummies. They're re-mummies. The new re-mummies. Right. Yeah. Are you, do you think they're going to get a sequel? I think they're going to get a sequel. No, they've cancelled the entire well, thing. No, they haven't. No, they've they've paid all those people. How are they going to pay them? Are they going? Are they going? Come on. Let's... Charles Dance. Let the games begin. No, they had... Luke Evans. No, that's not Luke Evans. Where are you these names from? Luke Evans plays Dracula. No. He's like, he's like, he's that's not to do with any of these. I'm gonna kill you because you murdered my my child. Like, I'm gonna make you a vampire. It's like, okay. What? The movies. Let the girls. Dracula Untold isn't part of it. Oh, really? No, No, I thought that it was. No. It Wait. was meant to launch the whole thing, but no, then, the series, then they the gave Dark up. Universe, the Dark... It's one film. No, no. Look, it's the, only mummy. No, no. The Dark Universe is three movies. So you start with I, Frankenstein. No. Which gives you the background to no, the... because the... Frankenstein was going to be played by Javier Bardem, or the monster anyway. So I, Frankenstein gives you the background of the whole of the Dark Universe. Gargoyles are attacking people... No, sorry, demons are attacking people. What's the game? And I, Frankenstein, teams up with the gargoyles to kill the fucking demons. Then, Dracula Untold. This is a prequel. Stay with me, Ant. Stay with me. It's a prequel. Dracula goes to see Charles Dance, and Charles Dance goes, Okay. And then he bites him, and he turns him into a vampire. But it's only for a little while. He can, he can stay human. He can return to human if he just doesn't kill anyone and drink their blood. And he's like, Deal. He eats sardines. Got it. No, he's a vegetarian for a few days. All right. He kills all his enemies. What's this got to do with Mummy Demastered? I'm getting to it. You're ruining this. I'm getting to it. So then, Dracula Untold, Charles Dance at the end, he's like, he's like, ah, you killed someone. You must be a vampire forever. And he goes, okay, guess there are worse things to do. And then at the end, he gives a lady a flower and he's in sunlight and it doesn't really hurt him. And he's like, "Ah, here you go. I'm Luke Evans. And then Charles Dance goes, he, he turns, 
lets Luke Evans because Luke Evans goes off for this lady gives a flower to they're in love now because he's a vampire you know Grammar's people right? who like click the look, time stamp and then, to listen to and a then, movie Mommy Demastered look, okay look I'm telling them about the story they need to understand the story before they play the game but they're nothing to do with it no it is it is it's all connected it's all the dark universe right so it's then the dark universe no, right? look, but the, 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 let me finish let me finish before you tear this apart so then Dracula untold he goes off for the lady then Charles Dance comes out of right shot Right, he comes out of frame on the right. He turns to the camera and he goes, he goes, let the games begin. And then, cut two, smash cut, smash cut. Tom Cruise hanging out with Jake Johnson. They're robbing shit in Iran or Iraq. I can't remember which one. And and there's a war going on, stuff blowing up all around them. It's probably Iraq in that case. But they, they, they're trying to rob something. And then they unleash the mummy because she's in Mercury. Mercury so- stops her from doing bad things. But in the process... Tom Cruise has to stab himself, turn himself into the movie, and then he gets the movie powers. And then at the end, at the end, he's like, I don't know what I am anymore. And he looks down, he's got bandages on his hands. He's still just kind of wearing normal gloves. They're normal coloured, but there's like a little bit of bandage around them. Wow. Like, because he's a mummy now. And apparently part of the powers of being a mummy are you covered in bandages. Yeah, but what's that got to do with the game? Then, 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 Russell Crowe says... Ah, the games have begun. And that, and the uh, Dark Universe. So there's another film to come, and then there's a big one, and then Thanos comes, and he fucks everyone up. Well, none of that's happening. What's that got to do with the game? Look, there's going to be a fourth movie. No, is it? Oh, but they'd had, uh, they had Victor Frankenstein, which is a prequel to I, Frankenstein. Because they don't really tell you the backstory of Frankenstein, I, Frankenstein. And then the, Victor Frankenstein tells you this, the, 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 like, there's a, a sequel to Victor Frankenstein coming. Victor Frankenstein 2. I beat women because I'm Max Landis. And then in that, <laughs> then in that, he comes along and he makes, he makes Aaron, Aaron Sorkin. Eckhart. No, Aaron Sorkin first. Aaron Eckhart is in the third one. In the third one, he makes Aaron Eckhart and they have to fight to the death and Aaron Eckhart wins. Spoilers. Mummy Demasters is a very simple side-scrolling shoot-em-up in which you go from left to right across a map in which you search for power-ups, much like the Metroid series. It's a very, very smooth, very fluid game with fast-paced action, some great sound effects, all done in the 8-bit, 16-bit style that it tries to emulate. The music is also a key point to the atmosphere. It gives a nice idea that you're playing a game with some toes dipped in horror, but for the most part, it's an action-adventure. All right. Yeah. It's really good. Go see The Dark Universe's soon-to-be-released Victor Frankenstein 2 and 3, and you'll fill in the gap between... That's seven movies! That's better than DC did. That's No, six connected movies. That's fucking ten times better than DC did. DC couldn't even manage one. <laughs> and they fucking shat the bed. Man of Steel was fucking terrible. How did they go, Man of Steel was pretty terrible. Let's make another Man of Steel. Man of Steel 2. <gasps> Men of Steel. No, because it already had the fucking, the bad guys from Superman 2 in it. The Dark Universe is only one film and it's only ever going to be one film. No, it's going to be, there's more films. There's more films coming. You keep looking at me as if I'm nuts. I just connected the entire series for you quite quite clearly. How does it tie into Young Frankenstein? Mel Brooks is going to play... And Dracula Dead and Loving It. Dracula Dead and Loving It has one of my favourite scenes in a comedy movie in it. Can you guess which scene? It's where he's trying to stake the vampire through the heart and just gushes blood into the sky. No, no, it's a lot, it's a lot more subtle than that. Well, it starts out a lot more subtle than that and it gets bigger and bigger. Because Mel Brooks does really good... Tiny little jokes, but then he follows the rules of free. The rule of free, so he just keeps escalating it. Um, and there's the scene in which the, the he sits down with um, 
Renfold. He sits down with Renfold to have a tea party. Not Dracula, but the psychiatrist. And they and they've got all these scones and all these cakes laid out. And he goes and he's and he's like he's like oh oh did you just did you just put a fly in your mouth? And he goes oh no it wasn't a fly it was a raisin. You see right there, there's one missing from the scone. And he goes oh of course it was a raisin. Oh for first time you mean a fly? Goes, no I'm sad. I don't eat flies. What are you talking about? No. And then he sees a beetle on the floor and he goes and he goes. <laughs> Oh, clumsy me, I dropped my fork one second. And he goes down and comes back up. And he's got the leg of the beetle hanging out of his mouth. And the doctor goes, goes oh, God, you've got, you've got a beetle's leg hanging out of your mouth. He's fighting for dear life. And he goes, he goes what? No, I don't. No, of course I don't like speaking out one half of his mouth as he chews his beetle. And he goes, I can fucking, I can see it. Look, it's hanging out there. And he goes, it's oh. No, that's that's nothing. It's a, oh, oh, it's just trying to grab for spiders that are dangling down. It's tries to shove them in his mouth. It's so much better when there's a physical comedy scene mm. going along with this because I've just realised I sound like an insane person. I blame lack of sleep. Mm-hmm. So I give mm-hmm. the Mummy Demastered and the Dark Universe a Tom Atkins. That's a good ten minutes. You barely talked about the gaming. I just talked about six things. <sighs> And gave my predictions for Max Landis' career. God, that's a fucked up story, isn't it? Have you heard the reason? There's a whole bunch of them. They're all, everyone in, they're all perverts. Yeah, but like, it's real bad for him. Yeah. Like, he uses racial slurs and shit. Oh, shit. Yeah, he like went like way up. He said, he said, I'm, I'm, um, I'm about to lose my shit on an N-word. Or this N-word is going to be a tornado of pain or something along those lines. (laughs) That's what Max Landis is. That's what Max Landis said to someone because they were hanging out with his ex. No. Oh. Fuck's sake. That's my ringtone. All oh, right. Is it? Just quickly check see where it was. Put your phone down. See where it was. It's not a message. I farted. Oh. That's what it was. <laughs> what it was. <laughs> is that what it was? <laughs> it was your your review, Anne. Right. Okay. So I've got to figure out what I'm going to review. Right. Um. Some twat got me a copy of Rayman Legends. Hey, I know that twat. Yeah. I jack him off every night before sleep. Oh. Before? Before, not during. Oh. Because uh. when he's asleep, I'm asleep. Rayman Legends. <laughs> this is a game. Um, it's one of many, many, many Wait, games what? that's been ported from Wii U to Switch. It's called Definitive Edition, but it basically just means it's got all the extra bits they yeah. chucked in the PS4 and Xbox One. All the it? DLC. Cause, cause it's in the game. Yeah. That's the Capcom motto for Street Fighter games. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're making gaming jokes. That was fucking good. Look how good we are at this gaming joke thing. Oh. There, Rayman Legends. Um, it's a platformy game, and it's got all the stuff. You can dress up as, for some reason... Like it's, it's, you know, Ubisoft. Everything they make is iconic, and you can dress up Rayman as iconic characters such as Vast from Far Cry Three. Yay! Just hmm, <laughs> bit odd. Why? But is it the target audience? Your Rayman platformy game. It's, it's dress any, up as this psychopath. It's free up. Yeah, it's it's a platformy game, and it's a really nicely made one. It's got none of that like limited lives bollocks, which is good because it's pretty difficult at times. Mm-hmm. Gets pretty tricky. Um, and it's like, they've done a really good job of making sure that you're not too held back and stuff. You unlock new levels by collecting those bloody lums things. in oh, the, yeah. Not lums, the, um, the 
The little blue, blue dudes. Yeah. The little blue dudes. Yeah, you collect them, unlock more levels. It's got like every level from the first last roadmap from Rayman Origins in there. And oh, cool. It's got the multiplayer weird football mode thing they did. Oh, which yeah. Is quite yeah good. That's pretty cool. And you get daily challenges and all sorts. It's like a wealth nice. of content in the game. That's good. And it's got that like, really nice sort of. It's, it makes, it's supposed to look like 2D art, but it's actually 3D models cleverly animated to look like 2D flash art. They've got drop shadows. Yeah, yeah, put the drop shadows on. You've got to do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's all like really nice, fluid platform game. Um, it's the only thing Michel Ansel makes in the last like 10 years that's been any good. Um, Who's Michel Ansel. He's the guy who did Beyond Good and Evil years oh. and years ago. Great game. Fantastic game. And he alleges he's making Beyond Good and Evil too, but every time you see anything of it, it's completely different. And then they keep denying it's happening. And they go, I'm, I'm waiting for the point when they say it's Beyond Good and Evil 2 trailer they showed off over a year ago now was, oh, it's just a, a rough idea. Who knows what the game's going to be concept. like? Yeah. It was a bit weird. And the monkey was swearing a lot in that, which mm. is odd for, it didn't seem right for Beyond Good and Evil. He was wearing a, he was wearing a hoodie as well that says, I'm the coolest monkey in the jungle. Yeah, dear. His mum said, don't worry about it. Don't yeah, his mum said, his mum says, fine, it's fine yeah, to dress Get over like it. Jesus fucking Christ. But, um, yeah, Rayman Legends is, is fantastic. They've got these really cool, like, you have like a boss stage. You, like, you have like six stages and there's a boss stage. And then after you've done the boss stage, there's like an extra level, which is like an in time to the music platform running stage. It's kind of like a, it's not really a bonus level because it is pretty, they can be pretty tough, but they're like, you know, designed as a kind of nice, fun reward level, as it were. Because once you've got the rhythm down, you know how to play through it, and you know, you know, you know your tune, you know when to jump, when to hit, and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like a really fun reward to play. It's quite a neat idea. It's better than a bonus stage that a lot of games would have. You know, a lot of games will try and reward you for completing something by giving you, you know, a bonus stage like you're catching bugs that Timon's throwing down for Pumba or something in The Lion King. But this is more like when you finish that world, you get this. It's a regular level, but it's set to music, and all the jumps and actions are to music. And the songs like Black Betty and Eye of the Tiger that it plays along to. Um, it's really nicely done, and they've like they put a mode in there where you can play it like you could on the Wii U, where you use the touch screen mm-hmm. to move things around. Because there's bits in the game where certain levels you have this character who pulls like walls down, or he cuts through ropes and stuff like that, and you swipe on the touch screen to do that, and the AI takes control of the other character when you're doing that. And it's quite smart, because if you lead him towards where bonuses are, he'll still go after the bonuses, which is quite neat. It actually seems to be pretty smart AI, and he'll take the time to attack enemies and all this sort of stuff, and you just got to basically protect him. Sort of like lemons, in trying to keep him alive. But, um, yeah, that's, that's a really, really nice game. I mm. like it. I like it. That's I good. a lot. It's good. I'm, I'm... played a lot of it. It tastes as earwax still on the Nintendo Switch. I don't know why you keep licking them. I want a new flavour. Nintendo need to give us a new flavour, like Fetid Rat, maybe. No, no, they don't. They don't need to put money into that. They what if they made them taste like assholes? You would go to town. <clears throat> I don't know what an asshole tastes like. I haven't licked myself. Anyway, on to... Is that is that the end of your review? No. All right. Yes. Carry okay. on. All right. My second review this week... All right. It's going to be... It's going to be something good. It's going to be... You got it written down. Free billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Is it oh, Ebbing? by Martin McDonough. Is it Ebbing, Missouri? Yeah, Ebbing, Missouri. Martin McDonough. I saw a movie. Oh, no. It is Ebbing. I saw a movie called yeah. Free Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. And are you going to see this? At some point, probably. You but don't go spoiling it in reviews. I keep telling okay. you about that. Okay. You don't just go... A review isn't just recapping what happens in the film. So I'm going to quickly go over the plot, then. We'll just go over the plot. We won't go over the full plot. We'll go over, like, the, you know... Uh, 
Whatever it is. You don't need to go to the plot. You, you, say, you talk about the premise. Okay, and then the premise. Talk, yeah. So, Jedis have no, taken no. over the... Se- <laughs> oh, right. Okay, sorry. So... That's the prequels. That's the prequels. So, Injun have decided they want to claim the second island from... Just fucking talk about <laughs> free billboards because people will click the thing... And they'll be like, <laughs> I want to hear of you about free billboards over every museum. And then you start talking nonsense and they'll go, fuck this, I'm clicking off of this. Well, originally, Billboard didn't want to go on the adventure with, with Gandalf and Dumbledore, but things, you know, events change. Okay, all right, fine. Free, billboard, free Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri is a film about a woman suffering through the loss of her daughter who was murdered and raped by the side of a road in a, in a sort of a very quiet town. I, don't, I say quiet... It's like a it's like a big American town, quite Ebbing, a mountain town, quite a mountain. It's like a big American town, so they've got like a small central, um, like a main road where they've the got like, shops. I don't know. It's the grass they're, green. Yeah, under uh, the three feet of snow. You mean? See, now you are interrupting <laughs> and trying to make this longer than it already is. Um, so they've got this main road. There's a sheriff's office and things like that. So it's it's all just a very insular small town, and there's mm. like a bar and things like. That. Um, and this girl, um, one day asked her mum, "Can I borrow the car?" Um, this isn't the insane. Let's not go into it. Actually, let's not go into it because it's best. It's best if I don't go into detail. Uh, like you said, so she is grieving, and it's been six months since her little girl died. I say little between the ages of fifteen and eighteen. That I really clarify. clarify. Um, but it's it's been six months since her murder and rape, and still there's been no conviction. Um, she one day driving home sees these free billboards that no one ever drives past. They're just sitting there, and they're derelict, and they're fucked up. And so she goes to the to the um, advertising agency that have their name on the bottom of it. She says, "How much to rent those? Um, I'd like to rent those and and, and put up some posters." And do you, is there any limit to what I can say? And she and they like, "Yeah, you can say pretty much it. You can't swear except for ass. You can go with ass." And she's like, "Okay, I won't need that, but thank you." And so she instead she writes a message that is aimed at the chief of police and aimed at the investigation that's taking place and the fact that she hasn't seen any results. There's been no conviction yet. Um, and uh, the the chief of police, played by Woody Harrelson, he is already in his own personal situation dealing with other things, but at the same time he's... Well, he's the chief of police. He's the chief of police, but at the, same time, at the same time he is hurt by the situation. And she, at first, the, a lot of the people that are in, in the town, a lot of the people dealing with this, it seems like they almost, they have already moved on but she can't, so she's trying to find her peace. Mm. And um, and and things things escalate. There's in particular there's one um, deputy to the sheriff um, or chief of police, uh, played by Sam Rockwell, incredibly electric in this. He's just fucking. He lights the screen on fire every time. Like Jamie Foxx. Bit like Jamie Foxx. Amazing Spider Man Two. Oh no, sorry, yeah, no, <laughs> and also Amazing Spider Man Two. Yeah. Uh, but Sam Rockwell plays almost a deranged. Like he's almost a psychopath, but mm. you you kind of get the feeling that he feels like what he's doing is right, but not in like a I need to defend the world from evil sort of thing. He's just like this is a bad person, and I need to remove them as immediately as possible. And there are mentions of someone being tortured in the office, and it was a person of color. So obviously she comes in, and she goes, "Aren't you going to get back to torturing?" And then she says specifically the a racial slur. And then Sam Rockwell, like a child, says, she said the racial slur. I'm just repeating it to tell you what she said to me about the, and the insert racial slur and all the torturing, which we don't do anymore. And it wasn't even torturing. We had them in holding and we 
talk to them like that oh, because yeah. there's this rumour of him torturing someone um, all in all it's just it's great um, Frances Frances McDormand yeah that's how I say her name she is she's incredible in the main in the main part she's both terrifying and in just she feels very very um, exposed like a nerve she feels like constantly these outside influences are seeping into her day to day and she is dealing with it as best as possible at the same time she's also you know um, she is quite reactionary she gets angry she says horrible things to people she knocks them down she kicks a kid in the knee at one point it's a film by a Madonna her. everyone's yeah. angry and swears at each other all the time um, but previously he did In Bruges yeah he did Seven Psychopaths Psychopath, yeah. Seven Psychopaths I wasn't a fan of yeah, I haven't seen it. it it was a meandering movie mm. and I think moving away from Colin Farrell for this was a good idea he directs a female lead a lot better than because I feel like I feel like constantly like things like In Bruges it was a comedy In Bruges is perfect it was a comedy but Harry was almost a satir- like he was almost a satirical character it was almost something you'd see in the big in the two Ronnies you know what I mean there's a whole bunch of stuff going on in that film it's fantastic I know it's a really really good film it's just it's just I think that I think that that performance is great and I think an that's, animate, it's an inanimate fucking object. Yeah, You're like, an inanimate fucking object. That's what I mean. It's just he feels like out of place. He does feel out of place in that movie. But for the rest of it, it's great. Um, it's great film. But yeah, no, fantastic. Fantastic. And I think that I think that um, his next movie is going to be... He, he's just getting better and better. Like, he seems to learn as he's going. Yeah, he's done three independent films now. He's going to have to make a Marvel film now. That's the rule. Yeah. Uh, free billboards outside of Ebbing, uh, Missouri. Um, I don't think it handles race very well. That's one thing yeah. I will say is almost every character is white and characters that aren't white, um, they don't really get much screen time and the characters that are white get to say the N word quite a bit. <laughs> so just that's like a Tarantino film. Just like a Tarantino movie. But yeah, I give it a Tom Atkins. His brother I... was like, all, what was it in, in the guard, Lagarda? Who? His brother, um, Neil McDonough. Oh really? Did the the guard? Um, oh, the one with um, Brendan Gleeson. Yeah, Don yeah. Cheadle. Yeah, really good film. And that was like full of racism. Oh yeah, but that was that was. But that was like lethal weapon on a tiny little Irish. Well, no, town. that was. I don't know if you've seen that, but that the back and forth in that is great. Yeah. The whole thing is that that like he's a fucking idiot who's very very backwards, and then you introduce someone who's very smart, very whip crack, and he's just dealing with this backwards fucking mm. hick. And every so often he'll get a racist slur, and then he'll be like, he'll be like. Just because you're a backwards fucking hick doesn't mean you can get away with this shit when I'm here <laughs> trying to investigate. It's a good film. Very good film. It's a great film, that. Yeah, but um, Tom Atkins for uh, Free Billboards. I recommend most people go see it. If you're um, if you're not into the... It, it is slow in parts and it is very dialogue-based. And one thing that really fucked me off, it almost made me knock it down a few because I, I, I almost didn't want to give it uh, uh, Tom Atkins because this one scene, throughout all of it, they perfectly build the story without using fucking flashbacks and there's a fucking flashback and it is the most cliched movie in the cliched scene in the movie it's like proper like I hate you mum will I help you get raped what you can't say that will I help you get raped and murdered and you're just like I hope you get raped and murdered and then six months later I put up three billboards (laughs) who the fuck ever talks to another human being like that and I'm like, I know that kids are difficult. I know that teenagers are especially difficult, but it is the most, it is like, it, when you, when it comes, like, I, when it comes to that scene, if you notice that, uh, that, um, Francis McDormand's hair changes a little bit, just close your eyes and plug your ears for like two and a half minutes. And then the film's perfect. <laughs> I had to let that go. And there's like, there are other bits and pieces, like, but all in all, I was, there are parts that surprised me. John Hawks is in it. Who? Hey. Jonathan Hawks. Who? Hey. Deadwood. 
Didn't watch Deadwood. No one watched Deadwood. Uh, he was the convenience store runner in Dust Till Dawn, the movie. What, the 90s? Yeah. Oh. He was in Winter's Bone. No. Nope. Watch that. Get a picture of him up for you, because you'll know him. <laughs> will I? Will I? Yeah, know? you will. will John I? Hawks is a really famous actor. Is he um, a skateboarder? No. No, that's Tony Hawks. That's his oh. brother. Not a comedian. No, he's not a comedian. Not Tony Hawks, the comedian. Look, do you not recognise him? Possibly. Probably seen him in something. He probably played a rapist in something. He looks like he'd play a rapist. Uh, let's, let me just name some films you'll know him in. <laughs> the Sessions. No. Winter's Bone. No. Everest. No. Martha Mason. No, sorry, Martha. Martha, Martha Marcy, Marcy Mason. Yeah. No, the Perfect that. Storm. No, not sure. Me that. and You and Everyone. No, not sure. Lincoln. No, not seen that. American Gangster. No. Six loads of more answers. Um, <laughs> Life of Crime. No, no, what's that? Identity. No. Low Down. No. Dust Till Dawn, I mentioned earlier. I saw Dust Till Dawn, but that's yeah. like 90 years ago. Yeah. Too Late. No, not seen Contagion. that. Contagion. Contagion, no. The Driftless Isn't Area. Isn't Contagion the one where Gwyneth Paltrow dies yeah, at the start? Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, I didn't see that. Right. Uh, the Driftless Area. No, no, no. no. Um, Miami Vice. What, the remake, the film with... Yeah. Really, no, I didn't watch that. Hardball. Hardball. Mukiani Roos. No. <laughs> uh, I still know what you did last summer. No, I never bothered watching that because they weren't good anyway. Small time crime. Small town crime. <sighs> See, I, I just don't think I've seen anything he's in. Road Racers. No. Rush Hour. Oh, Rush Hour's terrible. Why would I remember anyone from that? He's in it. Wrist Cutters, no. A True Love Story. No. Playing God. No. With David Duchovny. S. Darker, the sequel to Donnie Darker. Fuck off, what I've watched that. <laughs> Jesus. Blue Streak. Oh, Blue Streak, not Blue Steel. You're talking Blue Streak with Martin, Martin Lawrence. Lawrence yeah. no, no. All right, okay. We're going to go on to TV programs. Oh. Um, Eastbound and Down. Nah, not Taken. Ta- there's a TV series of Taken. There's a TV series of Taken. Jesus. All right, never mind. Yeah, I don't know. I've never seen him in stuff. If he's in an episode of Scrubs or something, or Power Rangers, I'd know. But, you know. All right. Well, you don't know who Jonathan Hawks is. It's really important to your review, wasn't it? No. <laughs> oh, that's good then. That's a good waste of five minutes. Well, look, you didn't know who he was. Oh, my God. I don't have to know every actor. You've not seen a lot of really good films. Because they don't have superheroes or explosions in them. I don't know how that's your definer for a good film. Uh, That's how you define a film. You go see the film. If there's a superhero and it's good. Oh, right, okay. Right, well, yeah. I'll remember that next time I watch a prestige picture. Yeah. Um, like almost every film. Anyway, done. Your review and... Fuck sticks. Um, your turn. Well, it's been weeks. I've been holding on to this one. Go on, just go. Go. Go, just go. Power turbo. Rangers Turbo, go. Go, go, Power Rangers! Yeah, so, like, weeks and weeks ago, I viewed Turbo Power Rangers movie. The, yeah. the sort of... It's not. It's not a pilot episode of sort. It's it's a movie made to launch the following series of Power Rangers Turbo. Yep. Introduce the new, well, I say the new cat, the new ranger, the new villain, all that stuff. Big series. They're going to launch it. They go to a tiny little jungle island to drive their cars around on that giant cars in the film. Are there conveniently roads on this jungle island? No, no. There's just. You think you'd go somewhere with lots of roads for the setting for the finale, wouldn't you? If you're going to have cars driving around. Mm. Anyway. The series is utter bullshit. Um, so, like, Zio was pretty good. That was the series before it. That was a really cool, neat series. 
um, you know, had a really good arc going on with the characters, had some cool stuff going on, all that sort of stuff. Series ends with the command sent. No, series ended with friggin' all sorts of shit going on. What was going on? Command center bullshit happens, and yeah. then there's all this sh- other stuff. And now they've got a fucking kid as their ranger, Justin, who's a pain in the ass. Um, this is the most Super Sentai thing they've done in the show because there's all, there's there's quite a lot of series of Sentai where there's a child who becomes a ranger because you know the shows are made for kids and kids love that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Why not? But Justin's irritating piece of shit. Um, main problems with the series, quite fundamentally, is. For the first 20 episodes, the villain has the exact same plot every week, which is plant a bomb somewhere, and the ragers have to use a thing that looks like a Nintendo DS, but like, you know, 15 years before the DS was a thing, to find this bomb, and they stop it, and then usually just throw it off somewhere, so it's not really that much of a bomb. Like, it blows up safely at throwing distance away. It's an alien bomb. Yeah, I don't know, it's weird. Um... The secret is with alien bombs, if you, you have the DS, you don't need to worry. Like, about 13, 14 episodes into the series, like, you might have started to realise that a lot of the rangers, like Tommy um, and the other ones, Adam, Tanya, Rocky, that's the ones. Rocky, no, Rocky was injured, that's why he was replaced with Justin. Other guy, whatever, I've forgotten who the rangers were at the start of the cat. They're barely, they're sort of like, there's loads of episodes where they don't appear, like individual ones, and only a couple of them appear, mm-hmm. and things like that, it's a bit weird. And it's because basically they'd all signed temporary contracts to come back to finish the series. So they'd shot the film when they were making Zio, assuming everyone was going to come back for the next series. And then half of them in the interim were like, I don't want to come back. Like, when I say half of them, I mean Cat and Tommy didn't want to. And you get to a point, about 14 episodes, 20 episodes in, where they clearly decide, you know what? If Tommy and Cat are going, fuck them. We're going to take get rid of all of them. So basically all the rangers got fired. Apparently the guy who plays Adam, Johnny Young Bosch and Tanya found out they were losing their jobs when they saw an advert in the newspaper for new Power Rangers to... Boom. Four new new Power Rangers. Yeah. That's how you want to do it. Yeah. They said four new Power Rangers, but like, we know there's not more rangers being added to this show. So, yeah. So then they lose their jobs and hand it over to the new cast, who... That's really weird to do, isn't it, in a show? Can you imagine like... Any TV show completely changing its entire cast halfway through the series. Well, like Lost. No, Lost didn't completely change the cast. There's loads of characters in Lost who stay through to the end. This is like all the main characters. What, you mean like Sex and the City? No, Sex and the City never did that. But they literally, they replace... Um, what, you mean like Power Rangers? Yeah, like Power Rangers Turbo. Yeah. So they replace Tommy with TJ. Um, Hooker. Yeah, TJ Hooker. He's played by Selwyn Ward. He is possibly the worst actor who has ever been able to be in a Power Rangers series. It's incredible. And this is a series with a child actor in it. And he's incredibly bad. He is so bad. But I went looking online to see if people hated him. And no, people love him. They think his Red Ranger is one of the best Red Rangers. And whilst if I were to look at the character traits of his Red Ranger, he's actually, you know, quite a good team leader. And he's always rushing in. And, you know, he's one of those ones who's like, I've lost my powers, but I don't care. I'm still going to keep fighting and throw myself at some big old nasty thing. Fine. But the guy can't say a single sentence like a human being. What I recorded like? the occasional one. There's an episode that starts. Do with, an impression. There's an episode that starts with him and Cassie hiking through. Cassie, by the way, is fantastic. Yeah. Everything she does, she's amazing. Asian lass who's friggin' didn't get to put in the yellow ranger suit. Good on them. They kept her in the pink suit. Don't put the Asian in the yellow suit. It's bad. Um, and you know, TJ, they didn't put him in the black suit. Good. Good. Avoid the racism. <laughs> They're very I mean, aware at this what, point. It only took like a few years. Yeah, a few series. But um, yeah, she's great. And they're going hiking. And the first line of the episode is TJ going, it was a really good idea to go hiking up here. 
we should do this more often. And it's literally like that cadence. Everything he says is like that. It's incredible. It's like you watch him and sometimes you just sort of hand over your mouth. Just upset. Fuck. It's like there's all sorts of shit going down and TJ's walking along the room and I get the feeling they didn't tell the camera crew he's going to move because as he walks along the room and the camera follows him, like other characters are completely blocking the shot at times. And he's walking along the room going, you guys go out there to get Diva Tox. I'm going to go rescue this guy. It's like, it's like, oh my God. As Carlos, who's like an unentity. He's just, he likes football. He likes soccer. He teaches. He, he hangs out with Justin a lot, the little kid. Like a lot. And I know he's part of the team and Justin's dad ain't around. But it's it's a weird dynamic. Like, for a start, like, what what older teenager, let's say 18, 17-year-old teenager, would ever hang out with a 10-year-old? Ever. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to ask questions, because I feel like that's going to be a hole that we have to go down. Mm. But then they have, like, friggin' the other one is Ashley. She's fine. She's the new Yellow Ranger. She's all right. She doesn't mm. have much of a catch this series. Um, Cassie's much more. She has music and stuff, and every now and again you see her playing in a band and things like that. And yeah, yeah, she's kind of. But her actress is fine. Like she actually emotes properly, like a human. She, you know, she's really good at messing around with the character when they do weird stuff, and she's a bit fun. Um, and she's really good in the fight sequences. Like, and fine. Actually, the guy who plays TJ is fine in the fight sequences. He's a quite a big, bulky, muscly guy, and he tends to have a bit more of a brawling style to him, which is cool. But he's just a terrible actor. Um, they even switched the actress who plays Divatox through the series, which is really weird. Like, there was... Divatox in the film was Carolyn Hoyt, mm-hmm. I think her name was. And they for the, she was pregnant when they went to start filming Turbo. And they couldn't really hide her pregnancy in that costume she was wearing because it's basically bondage. So they get um, Hilary Dax Shepard, I think it was, or something? Not Hilary Dax Shepard. No, something like that. She's got a triple-barreled name like that. Hilary Dax Shepard's like something else. Um, I was going to say, is that like Dax Shepard's wife? Sure, why not? It might be Hilary Dax Shepard, actually. It might be a name. Um, <laughs> she's like... Um, they both play the character very cartoony, like a Batman, 1960s Batman villain, and it's fine. They've got like... She knows how to do it, and then when it switches over to the, back to the original, Diva Tox comes back in the end of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite smart. But the thing is, it sort of raises the question about this really bad plot thread that they missed. Because one of the big things in Turbo that's a running thread through Turbo is how all the threads drop. Everything. Like, early in the series, they receive a message from the future. And it's like, all the villains are going to get together. And they're going to do a bad thing. And you need to stop them. The only person who can help someone out there, you know, they got to find them or something. And it's brought up, like, two episodes later. And then a few weeks later into the series, you meet the Phantom Ranger, but no one ever questions if he's the person they're meant to meet. And they never mention this whole thing about the villains all teaming up together ever again. But in the next series, Power in Space, they do fulfil that prophecy in the end. But I don't think they ever mention that they had this thing before that warned them it was going to happen. So, plot thread drop. Phantom Ranger... He's a guy who's just, he's like made up for the show. He's kind of wearing a black costume and stuff and you never find out who he is, what he is. He's got apparently a, he's something to do with Zordon, but you never really find out what. <laughs> Zordon and Alpha 5 disappear, right? Okay, so here's, so Alpha's got a new costume that was introduced in the Turbo Power Rangers movie. Okay. Right. And it's shinier. It's the new one. It's got a different thing. It's, it's a different costume. It looks a bit different. It's just modified, just modified the lightning bolt straighter and all this, right? Yeah. At the start of Power Rangers Turbo, he's there still, right? Classic Alpha. 
Yeah. He leaves with Zordon to go to Eltar because some bullshit's happening. Mm-hmm. They bring in another Alpha straight away called Alpha 6. It's the exact same Alpha, like looking, the exact same looking Alpha, but with same a Bronx. Actor? No. Well, certain person in suit, different voice, now mm-hmm. has a Bronx accent. Instead of going, ay, 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 it's like, oh, moin, what you here? Power Rangers, what you doing? You know, like, like, I wonder what people think that we look like when we're talking about this stuff, because I am drawing a complete blank when when it comes to Power Rangers I I remember Power Rangers Turbo the movie yeah. and I remember there being a ghost ship for some fucking yeah, reason yeah. and I remember the little boy fighting a monster up, which yeah. turns up one episode later in the series just randomly so the, the little boy this is this is my approximation of Power Rangers Turbo the little boy wakes up because he hears something he goes out to the to the to the um, no, they're having a chat on the deck and then the thing turns up and he can't, he's too scared to do anything he's too scared to scream yeah. and alert the others but then that's fine because they all wake up anyway. Yeah, <laughs> exactly the right time. Don't forget, this fight. is an old ancient boat that's got space to park five cars inside. There you go. It is. Um, but no, they um, was oh, it? Yeah, yeah and the so Alpha, can drive. Alpha. So they bought in a new Alpha. Yeah. Why didn't? Why did they change the costume in the Turbo Power Rangers movie to the same costume the new Alpha has, and then not have even? Why not keep it the same old costume so that when the new Alpha comes in, you know it's a different character. Like, if you miss the episode where they change, you're going to be like, what the fuck is up with Alpha's they voice? They don't know or care. Zordon gets replaced with Demetra, and this is the thing that's smart. Demetra, at the start, okay, here's another thing, a drop thread. Demetra says everything in questions until she doesn't. She's from a planet called Inquisitor. And then everyone there questions everything, which must be infuriating. But she never answers. Here's the thing. She's played by the same actress who plays Divatox, the villain. It's really weird. It's really obvious. And then there's an episode where Divatox is like, oh, Demetria's here. I hate her. Demetria goes, oh, I've got a long-lost sister somewhere. I wonder who she is. And, you know, Divatox is like, oh, what's that? My sister is alive? So you're like, oh, Demetria and Divatox must be sisters. You know, the opposing dichotomy of good versus evil. That's you not know, the case, though, Played by the same person, kind of smart. Except then they drop the thread and the actress changes. So never gets brought up ever again. This is a series you enjoyed, isn't it? I hated this series. It's terrible. Oh, why did you watch it? It's painful. The whole, I had to get through it. I made a pledge to watch every single episode of Power Rangers. How how many have you got left? Well, um, I know that in Lost Galaxy, episode 300 comes up. That's the one after In Space. <laughs> so I figure we must have hit episode 200 during this There's 700 this episodes, isn't there? There's, way, there's more than that. I think they've hit 1,000 now. Oh, fuck's sake. Oh, what are you doing to yourself? So Turbo. Yeah, drop threads everywhere. What else is dropped? Right, there's no... Was there a team-up this... I don't think there was a team-up episode this series. I don't care. No, no, because In Space is the first time there's a team-up episode. Oh, is it? Yeah, that's good. I like <laughs> team-up episodes. Is it with Kamen Rider? No. Actually, I suppose Kamen Rider, does that count as a team-up episode? They did that in Series 3, didn't they? Because mm-hmm. they did the bit where they introduced Master Rider, and then Master Rider lasted one series, and there's, we forgot it existed. There's an episode where the Power Rangers were meant to meet up with the VR Rangers. Yeah, it never happened. Never happened. But um, two of the actors from VR Troopers are in Power Rangers. Ooh, one of them was a love interest for Tommy. And another one was going to be revealed as the Phantom Ranger. VR Rangers. Yeah. VR Troopers, yo. Virtual reality. Troopers free, yo. Yeah. Virtual reality. So Turbo's awful. Um, the thing that a lot of fans hate about it a lot, a lot, is that in this series they absolutely couldn't stand the whole way through the entire series. The villain actually defeats the Power Rangers, like full on in the final episode, destroys their Zords, completely destroys them, invades the command centre, tears it to the ground, destroys their powers leaves them just decimated 
and they're all there with their shirts all ripped and everything. And the only plan they have is to go to the space station nearby, the space rocket facility, NASADA, I think they're called. It's not NASA, it's NASADA. And then you just go in there and like, yeah, the Power Rangers need a spaceship to chase Divatox into space because apparently Zordon's in trouble or something. They get a message. And NASADA, this, you know, government organisation, is like, yeah, sure, Power Rangers, hit the rocket, it's fine. Um, turns out the rocket is also the head of a Megazord in the next series. And they just sort of like, convenient I guess um, and they leave Justin behind which is fantastic so the series ends on a nice high point you kick Justin out of the group they're going to have to go somewhere else it's going to have to be completely different for the next series there's no command centre here's the thing with Power Rangers Turbo um, despite being the worst series of Power Rangers in quite a spectacular way like like worse than anything the following series of Power Rangers in space which I'm almost done with is fucking amazing like, I haven't even been able to take the piss out of it on TV, on Twitter this time. Because I'm watching it. And it's like, it's an actual TV show with characters and plot twists and three-dimensional story arcs. And they don't let TJ talk anywhere through the series. He says, fuck all. It's fantastic. I just noticed all the Power Rangers, the front of their masks are car girls. Yeah, because they've got the car powers. Yeah. <laughs> um, The second set of Zords. The second set of Zords is one of those really dumb things. Okay, so they get rescue Zords. Yeah. Right, so it's the second set. I quite like Zords when... Like, I like the cars that turn into a giant robot, because Transformers, you know, it reminds you of the Menacer and all that shit. Mm. The second set of Zords is really Transformers, because they all turn into individual robots, which are the same height as the Megazord they combine into. So they keep, like, summoning their five individual robots to beat up a monster, and then combining into one equally sized robot to fight mm. the monster. Which seems counterproductive, doesn't it? Yeah, when you've got five robots, why change into just one? Yeah. Okay, so at the end of Power Rangers Turbo, the yeah. evil villains have their own Zord. Oh no, they kidnapped the um, Megazord from earlier and they've put a thing inside it to control it. So they make the Zords fight each other. Which is quite cool, but it's fine, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. mean, to be honest, the, the shot I'm uh, most impressed with is as they're squaring up to fight, Someone has had the sense to go. Let's add scale and a little bit of like. There's occasional they moments. The background orange, and then yeah. they have birds fly past, and it's the first time they're trying to make it look like. There's occasional shots done by the American crews to make the to for scale and stuff where they've shot like. There's a lot of forced perspective stuff going on in it. So like when a monster grows, they will do something like Divatox fires a missile at them. That's the way they grow, which is scientifically actually quite a smart way of making them grow. And that sounds dumb. But in order to make some object of something small well, no, yeah, you get big, the energy. yeah, you need the energy. So she fires rockets, boom, they explode and turn up into a giant monster. But the way they always do the shot is they have a nice forced perspective shot. So it's a long shot of the monster in the distance. There's some trees in the front, which are actually models or something. Yeah. And then, and it cuts to a shot of them right up next to the model trees. Nice bit of forced perspective special effects that they did. And sometimes Zord fights have little moments where it's clearly been shot for the American show. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it is still just fucking terrible. Um, all the rangers just disappear, all the old ones when they change them over. There's no, there's no like, episode or two afterwards where the rangers are instead in the new rangers with new wisdom. They just fuck off. They're gone, they're done. Tommy Seems especially. Tommy, I think he was literally just like, as soon as they got the powers, he's like, layers out of mm-hmm. him. Um, yeah, it's a mess. But the thing is, you know, I'm almost finished with In Space. I don't know if I'll get it done by the next episode of Crit Apocalypse, but In Space is shocking how much better it is. Like, like the show 
this is the mid late 90s 97 98 mm. and you know how like tv shows now they're all like one episode flows into the other yeah in space is like that for all 43 episodes like it flows all the way through like one long story like there's one episode which ends um four episodes in where astronomers like i need a new plan i'm going to need a team of my own to fight the rangers okay and she tells her buddy ecliptor set a course for new york and guess who she brainwashes in New York to fight the Power Rangers? Spider-Man. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. What? It's in Power Rangers in Space. That's the first... Not just, It's not just a crossover. Because the funny thing about it is that to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers are comic book characters, and to the Power Rangers, the Turtles are comic book characters. But they never established they went to another dimension. So, wait, <laughs> is it Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the next mutation? The yeah. Life act? Oh. yeah. With Venus de Milo. Oh. Do you remember? <laughs> That's so bad. Yeah. But it, it, it was going to be a big hit at the time, wasn't it? <laughs> That's no. funny. It's four episodes into the Power Rangers in space, and it's easily the worst episode out of the lot, but it's kind of funny that there's a Power Rangers teaming up with Ninja Turtles. But anyway, um, Turbo's awful. I'm so glad I got past it. Um, in space, it's like they suddenly went, you know what, let's just make a show that's a bit more mature. Like a bit more, like they still can't say die because you're not allowed to say. Do you remember how kids shows never used to say die? Mm. Like Dragon Ball Z, where no one died, they just went they to another King place. Kai. Yeah. Um, so, but it's weird that they can't say die in in space because, like, it is a lot more mature. Mm. There's there's episodes that are pure pure body horror. Like there's one episode where Carlos gets bitten by this thing and it starts turning him into a bug monster that's creeping around the vents in the spaceship. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm going to look at this now. (laughs) It's an episode of frigging Power Rangers, which is a tribute to the fly and alien. Yeah, but I don't know if you remember this, but every (laughs) 90s TV show had, it was mandated there, had to have a body body horror episode. There's a bunch of them, though. They go to a colony where some coal's growing out of people because of villains making, infected their water or something, and it makes coal grow out of their arms. Do you remember? It turns them into coal monsters. Do you remember the Super Mario program? Not Super Mario Super Show. Yeah. Well, the one with um, Captain Lou Albano. Yeah. There's an episode of that in which um, the Mario Brothers got infected by the Cooper virus. And they started becoming Coopers. <laughs> Do you not remember that? Uh, and I bet they didn't want to become Coopers they because they were a lower class of citizen. That and and Mario's a racist. Um, bug. Oh, I'm, I'm done with... I'm done with Turbo. Yeah? Yeah. Power Rangers Turbo. I'm done. That's a long review I spent there. Yeah, I know. Talking about how bad that show is. Um, it's shocking <laughs> well no shit it's shocking like because you don't expect a high level of quality from Power Rangers do you you know it's a no. dumb kid show it's you know it's silly obviously they have to spend a lot of their budget on special effects and stuff so not much goes into hiring the best actors around um, Bulk and Skull are bullshit throughout the whole series it's a complete waste of time I mean like real life yeah no in the series. more so than usual um, oh. They get turned into monkeys for about 13 episodes. Oh, no one great, questions where Bulk and Skull went. And they're invisible for two. And they just suddenly come back. And it's all like, the whole show is them getting, oh my God, they turn into the Chuckle Brothers. For the whole series. I don't just realise, the whole series is them trying different jobs out every single week and messing it up. There's an episode in which the Green Ranger becomes a vampire. Oh yeah, that's the um, the one where it's like, a, there's a really good episode. That's not in this Turbo. That's in another series. Um, yeah, there's an episode where they go into a haunted house and it's all like a monster movie. And um, actually, no, it was Turbo. The first start of Turbo. There's an episode, yeah, it's in a monster movie. It's all black and white and Tommy's like a vampire and shit. It's kind of weird. <laughs> That's actually kind of clever. But um, um, anyway, you review something now. Get onto your third review, you penis. Stop looking at Power Rangers on the internet. All right, yeah, I will do. I'm just going to leave this running for you. Um, all right, so 
Uh, my next review is going to be Enter the Gungeon for the Switch. Um, I have put my my pun for this one is Enter at your own was it fun. fun. So so Enter the Gungeon is a great game. It's very solid, and you rec- are you trying to control my PC with your mouth? <laughs> yeah. Um, I have supercharged. That was it. I was trying to so, place the Rangers. So yeah. Enter the Gungeon was recommended by Anne last year. Yeah, early last year for game. the PC. Yeah. Um, I recently got it for the Switch, and it is incredible. I feel like the Switch is almost the natural home for something like this. Mm. This is this is becoming more and more the case that indie games are getting on the Switch, and they're just the best version of that game. Yeah. And Enter the Gungeon is fucking. I think mean, that's one of the thing of indie games is that they're often they're small experiences and stuff like that, and it's great to play them on a PC. But yeah. a smaller game is always really good to pick up and play on the toilet. Oh yeah. Mm. Um, so yeah Enter the Gungeon it's incredibly good um, I'm really enjoying it oh, I've the played it for a few guy. hours he's a caveman and uh, <laughs> I'd recommend it to anyone with a Switch yeah yeah. Um, it's got great music and sound design that game. oh it's got fantastic boss intros I miss yeah. a good boss intro but um, I the old Raven it's a reference to a Raven thing from Metal Gear Solid he's just well, like a great big Gatling gun yeah no, that's, that's, um, that's the <laughs> yeah. pigeon isn't it yeah it's the pigeon but that was the first boss I encountered yeah, and um, and as soon as I saw that and the little you got lucky, he's the easy one out the early is the first few. <laughs> well, he turned up and uh, and as soon as I saw that intro where he rips his rips his feathers off and he's yeah. just all muscular underneath. Yeah, and he pulls out the two chain guns and he just it has a little intro and he's got the and it's coming across it's amazing. Um, but yeah, yeah, I give this a top, how far have you got through it? I haven't. I've, I'm like four hours. Yeah, but how many stay? How many? Not worlds? many. Not many. I've been playing. Tough, difficult, isn't it? <laughs> well, I've been changing. So I didn't realize that each character had different stats because they don't actually show you stats. They show you inventory. They get extra like bonus. They get. Yeah. It's only, it only takes a few stages to max yeah. them out. But uh, but I've yeah. been playing around with everyone. So I've been doing the first stage with a few people, and then mm. the second stage with a few people. It's the mercenaries, the one I usually play as. Because he's got that extra armor point. When you get hit the first time, you the guy's dressed like the Doom guy. Yeah, you know, guy. And his helmet yeah. falls off. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. quite good. He is good. He was the person I played as the most. Yeah. You need to get through to the. Um, there's a stage. I think it's all like set in. It's like a mine in a mine or something like that. Yeah. Um, and there's a boss in that stage, which is a giant tank that everyone hates, and they think the tank's terrible and overpowered. Yeah. And I beat him first time without getting hit. Huh. I was quite amazed, but it's like a pure bullet hell boss battle. Yeah. It's like. Perfect, but um, there's also like really clever, drawn out, but they're, they're difficult to achieve, but they're doable requirements, so you can skip to oh, like later floors. And stuff. Well, you know when you land in the lift on the next floor, yeah. and the lift goes up, you drop down that hole, and there'll be a guy down there, and he'll tell you how you can make a lift that goes straight to that floor, ah. so you can start on that floor. But um, that's what the game's full of. It's full of these little, f- extra little bits here and there, yeah. like characters that you'll encounter. There's the gun range that you can get into, and yeah. Um, I managed to kill time, which is a thing that is a subplot in the game. <laughs> nice. I did. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of. Yeah, but um, I'm really enjoying it. I haven't. I like the problem is that I say three or four hours for me. Three or four hours in a game is mostly me spent going like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> oh, that's clever. So yeah, but I'm really enjoying it. I recommend it. Anyone who's got a Switch. Have you opened up the shop yet? Pardon? Have you opened up the shop? I think so. You have to rescue some people from dungeons. Yeah. And there's a giant golem who's got a girl that hangs out with him, and they open a shop. To sell you new items, I think so. Mm. I need to play it more. It's fantastic. I need to. I need to play it more. I definitely mm. need to play it more. I'm going to dedicate a bit of time to it. Um, probably Wednesday this week. Wednesday, mm. or Thursday. Uh, but yeah, Enter the Gungeon. I give it a Charlie's for all. No, mm. she was in the Orville. Was she? Yeah, she's in an episode of the Orville. Weird. So is Liam Neeson. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. I know. Well, it's because they're in that a million ways to die in the yeah, West. Yeah, best friends with Seth. Yeah, yeah. Jeffrey Tambor's in an episode. 
Well, that's not good anymore, is it? <laughs> oh. Everyone's a pederast or a paedophile pervert. But yeah. It has been, it's gotten really weird, hasn't it? That, like, you can't really like um, anyone anymore. And I just not don't saying, like men in general. I think it's safe. <laughs> I think there are women that Alina are starting Dunham. to hate as well, yeah. Like, yeah, not uh, Alina, just Alina I never Dunham. liked her, but. Like, a lot of the French actresses right now are saying some pretty fucking heinous shit. There's always the problem with, uh, what's her face, Wonder Woman. What do you mean? Um, She was in the Israeli military and she's very racist sometimes. No. Yeah, she's quite a... Apparently she also used to help people um, abuse other models. Oh, really? Used to cover it up and, you know, help people get away with it and set models up to be attacked. Sounds about right. Yeah, because apparently she's a bit of a bad person. What a surprise. Yeah. So right now it's end, it's going to end up just being Cyborg, Ezra Miller and fucking uh, Henry Cavill. Yeah. Oh, and they'll keep, they'll keep Alfred. Yeah, keep Alfred. <laughs> keep Alfred. Um, but yeah, uh, and your review. Oh, shit. Right, okay, I'm going to review Bound. Not the film with Jennifer Tilly. Fuck's sake. No, that's it's a great film. excited for a second. Fantastic film. Fantastic. Joey Pants is in it. It's mm. awesome. Um, no, Bound is a... Give me my fucking money! Yeah. Give me my fucking money! <laughs> Joey Pants is... Yeah. So, is this a real steak? I can't, I can't even tell. <laughs> I don't care. I don't, I don't care. Joey Pants! Yeah. So Bound is a game... I've had enough of you bad boys! Bound, Bound is a game on PlayStation 4 <laughs> yeah. made um, by a studio published through Sony Santa Monica. It was like a sort of independent game type concept that they brought up and... You know, it's one of those fake indie games. You know, the ones where it's like, it's not really an indie game because it's got big company like backing no behind Sky. it. But no, like friggin' um, Unravel or something. Or okay, Child yeah. of Light, you know. It's yeah. a big studio making a small game. But it's basically a game with all this arty stuff going on. You play it, there's a woman who, like, at start... Like, the game starts with you as a pregnant woman walking down a beach, taking a sit, opening up a diary and having a bit of a dream. And the game's sort of... Sort of like a dream thing, like a represented, represented dream. Yeah. But also, it's interpretive dance. Your character is a like ballet dancer of sorts. She jumps around the place. She like when you go along a wall. She does this whole thing where she puts her hands up to the side and just sort of slides along the wall gently on tiptoes, which is quite quite neat. Um, and your way of defending yourself from attacks is to swing a ribbon around like you're dancing okay. with it. Um, the whole game's like done like that. It's all very interpretive dance. You you know you do plies as you jump and things like that. It's all like very ballet infused. But as you play through the game, you can play through each level in any order you want. You pick the page you want. But what you might not realise until you maybe play through it two times or when you've like you're, as you're going through is that each page represents some sort of fear that the woman on the beach has, and when you've overcome that page is like fear. So it might be fire. It might be um, an abusive father shouting and stuff like that, like shouting parents and stuff like that. Yeah. That threat's represented in the game world, in the levels by something, and by doing those pages and clearing them, those threats become neutral in the game. So, like, in the first stage, you've got a big monster screaming at you, which is supposed to be the parents arguing. If yeah. you do the stage where you confront that fear, then that monster screaming won't do anything. He'll, like, he'll be, you know, his voice will be gone and you'll just be able to go past him. Yeah. And stuff like that. Just quite a neat way. So I figured there's a way you could play through the game by going through in a certain order that makes it dead easy to get through. Mm. Um, there's also really interesting stuff like there's a really good camera photo mode in it and it's really nicely designed and you can mess with the tint and screen with the stuff like that and the zoom and the hue and all sorts of graphical trickery going on. 
Um, and when you finish the game, you can mess around with the camera and whatever you do to it stays switched on when you finished it. Yeah. So if you want, you can like pull focus or you can like give it a like um, a sort of weird pixelated look or anything like that and it'll carry on as you're playing the game hmm. after you finished it. And it unlocks a speed run mode as well and it's like a proper, like you can pick what stage you want to do and it's checking points and it'll re- register your time against other people and your time and it'll record your past playthrough. Sounds a bit really... more like a graceful mirror's edge. Yeah. But it's kind of interesting that this game that's quite slow, there's not really much conflict in it in terms of, like, like you don't attack anything, you just defend. Mm. It's all very, like, it's paced in a way where you can take it at your own speed. You're never rushed to complete a obstacle. No obstacles are, like, you know, being chased down or anything. Yeah. You know, barely any obstacle in the game can't be saved by either doing a well-timed jump or holding down the R2 button to swing your ribbon around. It's all very calm. But then it's got a speed run mode in it, which is... Crazy, but mm. it's kind of cool. I like that. Um, and it's yeah, like I say, it's like really well designed speed run mode and thing. Um, yeah, it's a really interesting, very arty. Has one of those like you know, ooh, what does it all mean type things, which is quite on the nose, really. Like the woman on the beach dancing as a child was like her only thing she enjoyed, and it helped her forget her troubles. Yeah, and by playing through the stages and doing the dance to defend yourself from the things, you're overcoming the troubles from the past. And there's a big old build-up thing that happens at the end with the woman on the beach. Um, but it's yeah, it's a really nice game. It was given away free on PlayStation Plus in like November, hmm. and um, yeah, I've played through it twice now. It's solid. It takes about two hours to get through. It's a nice, quick game. I'm playing through it on Mellow Gaming right now on the. Yeah, on the Let's Plays. Only done two episodes up so far. It'd probably only be about seven episodes long, or eight episodes because it's quite short. Mm. But um, yeah, really solid ass game. Just yeah. like You're really you know, enjoying it. Yeah, it's just it's not deep, not particularly deep. It's not as arty as I think they. I don't think it's you know it conveys as much meaning as they think it does. Um, cause it, like I say, it's very on the nose, but it, it's good. It's enjoyable. Can't go wrong with it. It's very pretty. Mm. Sounds nice. Looks nice. Has like really nice graphics and friggin' I like dancey stuff. It's unique to have a dance mechanic in a platformy sort of exploration game. Yeah. It's kind of a neat take on it. So I like it. It's good. Because give it my completionist rating of buy it. Way. Review something. It's your fourth review, is it? It is. Yeah, what's your very special review? My very special review this week. Yeah. And this is something that I teased to you, but I didn't I didn't let you know what exactly it was. <gasps> You're gonna review your new pet <laughs> no, no, no! I can't review an animal. They're too lovely. They always get Tom Atkins because oh. one of them is. What Tom about Atkins. Tom Atkins? Yeah, except <laughs> Tom um, Atkins, he's a piece of shit. He fucking hates me. <laughs> Not the hedgehog Tom Atkins. No, the actual Tom Atkins actual lives Tom in your Atkins cupboard. Despises me. Yeah. Um, well, you won't let him out of the cupboard. I'd break my fucking heart. And you're only feeding biscuits. That would genuinely break my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so uh, so. This it's it's been quite a couple of weeks for me. Um, there's not been a lot going on, and I decided that I was going to catch up. Christmas, New Year. Yeah, I know. Just fucking getting engaged. Boring, boring uh, shit. Forget, yeah, boring nothing shit, much like, happened. Nothing much happened for me. Just a couple of bits. New you know. pet. No. New pet. You know, like you know, it's, it's life for me. It goes on. Yeah. Um, get engaged every week. Exactly. Exactly. So um, I I decided I was going to catch up with some of the films I've missed over the last mm. few years, and there's one in particular. That's, that's, Is it missed? It's really stuck with me that I didn't get to watch it. I didn't see it in the cinema. I should have seen it in the cinema. Yeah. And it's it's a sequel to one of my favourite films of all time. And it has one of my favourite songs of all time in it. It's actually in the trailer. Yeah. If I say the song, will you know? Do you think you'll know? It depends, because there's a lot of songs that get abused in trailers. Okay. Genuine Pony. That's right. I watched Magic Mike XXL. Wow. Oh. <laughs> right? Wow. Oh. Right? So is that your very special? Your very special. It's my very special review. I'm really excited to talk about this. All right. 
What's wrong with you? Are you not excited? It didn't come out this year. It came out last year. Last year, it didn't come out in 2017. It came out in 2016. Yeah, it's not last year. Okay, but anyway, a couple of years. I said a couple of years, right? I'm, I'm, I'm a bit behind. I had to push it to the back of the pile because I had other stuff I had to review. You love them blind. I do. Um, so anyway, so Magic Mike XXL. So, open up Channing Tatum. Don't just talk oh, about Oh, fine. The Fuck it. I'll talk about the plot. I'll summarise it for you. So, Mike is, Mike is no longer magic. He's no longer dancing. It's been a few years. He's got his own furniture business in which he takes old bits of crap like doors and tables and stuff and makes some nice new bits of crap like doors and tables and stuff. Um, he's doing this for an upmarket sort of um, area in California. So he's making quite a bit of money selling this on to people that are rich and famous and like installing it and stuff. Um, and he's, he's making enough money that he's now considering buying a storefront because he's just delivering stuff he's showing it to people and they're buying it like he's saying I've got this piece for you I think you might like and they're buying it and so on and so forth um, but then he gets a message do people buy it because he takes his clothes off maybe and dry rates against it no he hasn't danced for three years like, do you want to buy look, he have need you not dance. seen Magic Mike 1 you'd be like do you want to buy have a sofa have you not seen the original Magic like, Mike I don't want a sofa but then he pulls his shirt up have you not seen the shows original? his abs have you not seen the original Magic Mike no it was a deconstruction of the American Dream have you really not seen it no because it's about male strippers. So? It's about so much more than that. Right. Is it about family? <laughs> we all opens now. <laughs> my, oh god, this is this is a terrible story, but this links into that line. So my my mum sadly lost her mum, so my nan passed away like God three weeks ago, two Doesn't weeks make ago. your mum an open. No but her, she her her dad passed away. So, oh. And we were driving to the funeral. And my mum, with tears streaming down her eyes, she's so emotionally distraught by the events that have happened, tears streaming down her eyes, and she goes, she goes, well, I guess we're all orphans now <laughs> to everybody in my cousins, my dad, my sister, and me. And, and there's me and my sister, and we're both just a head in our hands, just like, fucking <laughs> <laughs> burst out laughing. Um, but no, fantastic. It's a very sad event, obviously. It's been a fucking horrible time, but, but that sort of thing, it just shows the ever... The F, the ever challenging climate that my family finds themselves what if in. your mum finds an old letter from her dad? <laughs> <laughs> it's a note from my father! It's from my dad! From my dad! My, my mum was Korean, my dad was black dad, American! Her dad turns up and it's the same age as her, he's just got grey on his hair. <laughs> That'd be incredible. So anyway, so, um, sorry, Magic Mike, it was a deconstruction of the American dream. Magic Mike was a dancer in a strip club with Dallas, played by Matthew Connie, and the rest of the cast. Uh, Kevin Nash. Matt Bowman, Kevin Nash is in it. Yeah. Um, so basically, Mag- Magic Mike didn't want to be, didn't want to be a dancer anymore. He was trying to work towards something else. Furniture idea was placed in that one, and he'd been saving for a long period of time. A new man joins the cast. This is Magic Mike one, by the way, don't get confused. New man joins the cast by the name of Kid, mm-hmm. um, and he, he turns out has a drug problem. There are other issues and there's reasons why he needed quick, large amounts of cash. He just wanted to run away and he wanted to avoid being killed by local mobsters and such. Um, he finds Mike and, and almost, um, almost, uh, seduces Mike into believing that, that his dream's going to come true. And he, he uses his, uses his, um, his cunning to wheedle his way into Mike's life. And he, in the end, he robs him, ruins him. Uh, Mike does though have a happy ending because the girl of his dream sticks by him and they go off into the sunset and he says I'm not going to strip anymore I'm going to try and make my own way and using what little money he does have left over because I don't think the kid steals all of his money just a large sum of it he uses that to invest and uh, gets himself to a point where he can start his furniture shop uh, joined we're in Magic Mike XXL and uh, Mike is now alone 
She's left. Uh, The reason she says she's left is because, you know, although Mike's trying to play at being a normal person and, and, and and supporting everyone and, and doing, doing what other people do, start trying to start a business, being his own boss, it just wasn't enough for her. For some reason she had, she had lost the lust for him and he had attempted to propose and she said no and disappeared. It's very sad. Uh, but, but, um, turns out the crew, um, Joe, Macniella, what Macangella? What's his name? How do you say his name? I don't know. Macangella, the guy's playing. Um, guy's playing Slade in uh, in oh, Justice League. Joseph Mazzello. Yeah, whatever his name is. <laughs> um, he turns and he says, "Oh, Dallas, he's he's gone." Joseph Mazzello was yeah. Tim in Jurassic Park. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but he turns and he says, "Dallas is gone." Oh. And so Magic Mike turns up at the um, at the address they've given him, dressed in a suit. Um, ready to, to, you know, mourn the loss of Matthew McConaughey. Uh, turns out, no, he hasn't gone. He's just cut out on the guys, took all the money and fucked off. Oh. Um, so now they find themselves in the situation where they're free from the club that they were previously stuck, like, stuck in. Um, and they've decided to go on a road trip. Oh. And so it's kind of this nice little just like idea. like two Wong Fu Frank for everything. A Julie bit like that, are. but just in a, in a little, like, it's like a queso van. It's like a little Mexican food van. Yeah. Uh, full of male strippers who within the first 15 minutes of setting off on this magical journey do do um, E or nice. MDMA and nice. then and like this kind of sets up like so um, they kiss a lot yeah no nice. that'd be great um, so Channing Tatum turns up in the suit and he immediately Channing gets tackled up for that yeah he immediately gets tackled into the swimming pool and that mm. sort of sets a scene like they're like they're like no man it's not true like all this other shit and you get like Kevin Nash is there um, you've got Joe McAnally you've got Matt Bomber um, Matt Bomber Matt Bomber um, he's gay so that's a great name yeah, for him Matt Bomber yeah. um, but they all they all um, they're all there all the original guys are there to go on this trip um, together obviously not the kid and not Dennis because Dennis cut out um, and it's just the story of those guys bonding and, and seeing both the life if they had just continued on the same path for free. So if Magic Mike was still Magic Mike, this is where he'd be free. It's like with these guys in the same situation as he was with the kid, it would just be worse because he wouldn't have those free years to set himself up. Um, and then they're almost idolizing him. They see him as like the dream. So like they've done all this stuff. Um, along the way, there are jokes. There's like some silly bits and pieces. I think Matt Boma is meant to be gay in the film as well yeah. in real life uh, because he, he, he says that he is, he's the corn fed girl's dream. So he's like all primp and proper and he like looks after himself and stuff. Mm. And at one point he's wearing like a vest with the sleeves cut off and like cut short shorts. Yeah. <laughs> like, but not for stripping. Not for stripping. Just, just for day to day shit. Like yeah. these are my going out and doing the shopping shorts. Yeah. Um, but like it's all fun. Mm. Like the whole thing, like it's really weird. There is, there is some awkwardness if you're not. If you're not attracted to men, you, there is some awkwardness in some of the scenes because they are built around the idea of these being so sexy and like you just like well, it's drop got your big sexy in. Kevin Nash in it's it. It's got big sexy Kevin Nash, who's actually really sweet. Yeah. I, you like Kevin Nash, so I'd recommend you watch. The I mean, I'm amazed movies. he's in a dancing film because he his had, knees are fucking shot, mate. I mean, he broke he, he tore his quadricep muscles walking across the ring once. Yeah, but like, he came back from a shoulder injury and then tore his leg muscles apart taking four steps across <sighs> the ring. That was the first thing he did. That wasn't after he had a bit of wrestling. Yeah. He'd got tagged in, walked four steps, fell over, shouted, oh, my quad, and collapsed. And well, there's a scene in this where everybody's driving and they're stopping to get some petrol. Um, and in the in the run-up to this, this is where they took the uh, the MDMA or E, I can't remember which mm. one it is, 
Um, and Joe McNeil, he's, he's like, the whole thing is that his cock is so big that it terrifies women. They don't want to have sex with him. Also because he has teeth and he's got his own mind. Yeah. I mean, he cut it off once and replaced it with a demon cock. There you go. There you go. Yeah. You're uh, talking about the, uh, I can't remember the name of it. Barotsukutoji, Legend of the Overfiend. Yeah, the film that I found on YouTube and then you told me there were others and I watched three of them. I mean, I've got the first two on DVD. I've watched all three of them and they are Dark Avenue of Hatred. If I never watched the third one. Don't upset Apparently yourself. super low budget. Don't upset yourself. Fourth one that. never got finished. Oh, fantastic. Mm. That's good news. Uh, Joe McAnella. He uh, has a giant cock, and he keeps telling these stories to everyone. Where like, where he's like, it's like, it's not really, it's not enjoyable in any way, shape, or form. Because every time I get it out, they're just like, oh, do you, do you maybe want a blowjob or a handjob? Like, and he's like, I haven't had sex for like twelve years. And when they go to do the handjob, they put on the big Hulk yeah, mitts they've got because <laughs> it's the only thing the right size. Every so often, <laughs> he goes, oh, I'll smash. smash. Yeah. It's like, that's actually working for me now. That's how fucked my mind is. Yeah. He goes to a Toys R Us. <laughs> Every time he sees some kid playing with him, he's rock hard. He's like, oh my God, my life. Ducks over a display. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyway, sorry. So, um, so yeah, and uh, and they meet, um, uh, God, Amber Heard. Oh, they don't meet God. No, they meet Amber Heard and Channing Tatum has a flirtatious interaction with her and it they start building up this this like nice little um they're talking a lot and it's it's all dialogue based. They don't immediately fuck mm. each other. Oh. It's all dialogue based and there's like a there's like some quite good dialogue in this film, which is odd. Um and and uh, her mum is played by Andy McDowell. And Andy McDowell oh, that's good she's getting work. Yeah, Andy McDowell and uh an old uh, Joe Mag- Magnella. <laughs> I can't remember Joe Taglatella. He uh, he goes he goes if you're willing to uh, if you're willing to give it a try, I've got something you might like the foot of. She's like, and then the next day comes down and they have this sweet interaction and they refer to her as the slipper as the foot for his slipper. Oh. <laughs> she took his massive cock. <laughs> oh. It's amazing. That's that's a really sweet way of saying someone's got a massive gaping vagina. Yeah. It's a really nice way of doing it. Um, but Magic Mike, XXL. Because he didn't oh, look like It's him. got fucking Childish Gambino in it. Oh. Jada Pinkett Smith's in it. There's a fucking great it's film. Coolio in it. Coolio's not in it. Oh. But Childish Gambino, like you think, oh, he's just going to start stripping. No, his thing is that when it's like a girl's birthday or something, or when they're like having special events in this other strip club that they visit to try and find an MC because they need a, someone to announce everything, when they go there, there's a woman, she's like, it's my birthday. And he just sings to her the most sultry, like, fucking sexy R&B voice. Because it's Childish Gambino, of course, he's got a sexy voice. And he's like, and he's like, he's like, how do you feel? She's like, she's like, oh, I'm okay. He goes, he goes, tell me what you want. What do you want from a man? She's like, I want this. And he's like, he's like and they start singing to her. And it's fucking incredible. It's a great film. It's Magic Mike, XXL. Five stars. And he brings out his Paul Abed. And, <laughs> and then... The Tower. Joe Magnella loops over and he goes... Because they want to smash the dog. <laughs> no, he helps out, keep Riven. Gets his cock out knocks out half of the audience. Keeps Riven. He puts the drum up either side. <laughs> and it's like, you know those Japanese drums where they go... <laughs> you know, the, the thing... Like what Mr. Miyagi had. It's like, like that, but between two drums. It's like me. When I, whenever I get naked in front of a lady, I say, prepare. 
You should get some magnifying glass. <laughs> my giant deck, but my incredibly small balls. Mm. <laughs> it's like you said, if there's an explosion, that energy makes sense for something to grow when there's an explosion around. When I get around, my testicles become tiny. That's good. Like capers. Oh, that's good to know. <laughs> Your face was a capers. What did you expect I was going to reference? Capers? Capers. Yeah, little black, like, peppercorn stuff. Oh, yeah. not as in, like, a, a sort of crime caper. <laughs> no, which my, would have been 1920s, been referred to as a boner. rob the Maltese falcon. No. <laughs> <sighs> um, Magic Mike, XXL. You can have a great time. Oh. I think, like, a lot of people saw this. Yeah, yeah, it was the Magic did, Mike. They need to do another one. Did relatively okay in box office. So what is magical powers? What, Mike's? Yeah. You can fly. Oh, sweet. I don't know how you don't know that already. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can fly. Like, more hover. No. No. He hovers three inches above the ground. He hovers three inches above the ground. No, like, it's... it's, The first one was oddly good. Hmm. That's why I was so surprised that no one had... Well, people saw it, but people saw it and they were like, oh, that's the strip. Didn't it come out, like, the exact same time as friggin' Mamma Mia? Yeah. So that's probably why no one saw it. Probably. Because, you know, you can't Mama compete Mia. with Mamma Mia. Yeah. They're making a sequel to that film just because of how much money it made over here. Really? Yeah. How much money did it make over here? Like, lots. It's one of the highest grossing films ever in British cinema. Fuck off. Yeah. Mamma Mia. But, like, it flopped in America. Well, yeah, no fucking shit. It was yeah. a terrible movie. Yeah. Right, well, should I review my last thing? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to review... Um, a late entry for one of the greatest games of 2017 is uh, Giant Sparrows, What Remains of Edith Finch. How is that late entry? Loads of people like that game. It, no, well, late entry is in I only played it at the end of 2017. So so it's late entry because you were too lazy to play it when it was when it was freshly released. Yeah, that's what I mean. As in I didn't play it right away. But um, yeah, What Remains of Edith Finch is like, it's one of their Marty Walkabout games, right? You know those ones where you walk through an area and nothing fucking happens? Right? You know, like Dear Esther, and everybody's gone to the Rapture, which people keep falling over, but both of them are dull as shit. Um, I didn't mind that everyone's gone to the Rapture. Uh, one around a shitty English village listening to recordings, boring as hell. Because that's all you do in those games. You go up and you listen to a recording, and that's what happens. That's it. But what remains of Edith Finch? You're playing a girl called Eve- Edith Finch. She's going back to an old family home. This family home's like, you know, quite an eccentric family. It's near the edge of the, like, a, it's on an island near the edge of the sea. Yeah. There's like this house. It's got like an original area to the house, but then it's all built up on top of it. And there's like, it's like almost like it goes off into like a lighthouse up in the top, like all these little bits going off into the side and everything. Like it's all been built, like all these extra rooms. There's like one of the rooms at the top is a boat that's been plonked on top of the house and then built out of from that. So it's quite an eccentric building. Yeah. But it's a house that belonged to the family for generations going back to the early 1920s, um, a Swedish immigrant family. And as you're going through it, this the, you're going through all the rooms, and all the rooms are now like memorials to members of the family because everyone in the family has died. Like only one person from each generation manages to have children, like lives long enough to have children, and everyone in the family has died, and you're like the last remaining member of the family. Yeah. And you go into the rooms, and they're like little memorials. The um, the matriarch of the family, Edie, who was the um, she was the last one to die. Um, before you, who you're named after. She used to paint murals of the people, of their children and the, you know, siblings after they had died mm-hmm. and put them in the room and leave the rooms exactly how they, you know, were before. And they encouraged all their kids to be creative and, you know, have, you know, have rooms based on their personalities and stuff. And all the char- all the characters have like some sort of 
past, like one of them was an actress in dodgy B movies and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. But you go into the rooms and you find their diary or you find something that's got writing by then. And it takes you to like a, a sort of little, it's not really a flashback. Some of them, I guess, can be framed as flashbacks, but they're kind of like a little story explaining how that person died. And some of them like really blunt to the point, like it's, you know, obvious what happened to them. Like there's one with a, um, a father taking photographs with his daughter and you've got to use the camera and you find photographs in a f- album. Yeah. And when you take the photo, it like instantly takes that photo and your character s- changes to the next image. Mm-hmm. And it's like a moving picture. So like you take the photo and she filters through the photo. It's quite a neat effect. Like this moment you take it, like that and goes to the next one. Yeah. Um, and eventually you see him get knocked off a, like they've shot a deer, they've gone mm. hunting, and the deer nudges him off the edge of a cliff on the last photo because they had a timer set up. Is him falling off the cliff? Yeah. Um, but some of them are really abstract. There's like, um, like the one with the girl who's in a horror movie. Um, they actually licensed the Halloween theme for it. She was in a horror movie when she was a little kid, mm. and she's on the convention circuit a little bit. They're trying to bring fans back, and it's Halloween night, and she thinks someone's in her house, and she goes creeping around the house and goes down into the basement and stuff, and it starts playing the Halloween theme tune. You pick up a pick up a pipe to defend yourself with it's going ding 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 and it's all creepy but it's all told from a comic book that's been made about her life like the curious tale of this finch girl who died in a mysterious way yeah and it's like a tale from the crypt keeper thing there's like a pumpkin head character narrating it and you're reading the comic book and you don't even realize it but then you're controlling it like you turn the page and it looks like a steel panel but then nothing's happening and you push forward the analog stick and you're like oh i'm walking through that panel like you're controlling the action in oh, that panel. Okay, yeah. It's really smart. Um and there's like there's a really good standout moment where one of the characters he's like he's uh, been abusing drugs for a long time and he keeps going off into a fancy world because he's got like all sorts of depression and shit. Um and he's at work That's how I do my depression. He's at work in a fish factory in a factory where all he has to do is grab a fish, put it in a blade, it beheads it and he chucks it down onto the conveyor belt. Yeah. And you start off, you're controlling with your right hand, using the right analog stick, picking the fish, chopping its head off, throwing the conveyor, and that's all you do. And he starts thinking about, like, you know, an adventure he could be going on. Yeah. And in the top corners, a really crude, like, you know, basic old-fashioned pen and paper drawing figure going along through a basic maze. And it's only a little tiny thing in the corner. Mm. And you're controlling that with the left analog stick. So you're chopping okay. heads off the fish as you're controlling this other thing. Two different control. motions at once. Yeah. And gradually it becomes bigger and bigger and it gets more involved and it becomes more detailed and it turns into, like, a a top-down RPG, and then it goes all isometric to it until it's I can a kind of see where this 3D. Is going. And you're, like, chopping the fish's heads off, and you're controlling both at once. And it's fucking weird that your, like, brain manages to yeah. split into this thing where you're controlling these actions on one side and making decisions that affect the story of this little mini-adventure while your other hand is just getting on with chopping these fish mm. until eventually you king and you walk into a room and you go through and you're in the frigging fish factory where he is, and he's so absorbed in his dream that you can see him chopping the fish just making the motions without the fish in his hand yeah like he's just like you know just going through the motions it's automatic to him he's like completely zoned out of the job he's at and it's like it's a really smart metaphor mm. and you know he's he's obviously died they all died um, and you go up to the graveyard and there's little graveyards for all the pets they ever had it was Pet Cemetery, which, you know, didn't play the music from Pet Cemetery when he got wait, there. Wait, 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 wait. But, like, they have a big thing about death in this family, and everyone's yeah. death gets memorialised, even the hamsters. Oh. Which is nice. Mm. Um, 
but it's a really interesting game that's just constantly messing around with what you're expecting. Yeah. Um, even when you're dealing with the death of a child, it like does it in, sometimes it will do it in a really magical sort of way, or sometimes it'll tell a poem where you're flying a kite around and you'll be pulling the words out of the air and they'll be dragged by the kite in the storm. Sounds, sounds a lot like that dragging cancer. Yeah, but this one, that? this one's actually something that's like, you know, not incredibly painful to play through. <laughs> It has uplifting moments, whereas that Dragon Cancer is just painful the whole way through. It's a really good game. Yeah, though. it's a true story though. That one isn't. It? Yeah. This is fantasy. Um, there is a little tiny tie to Unfinished Swan, which was their previous game. Yeah. Um, in this one, but it's like it does stuff where like you'll be dealing with a child's death, even a baby's death at one point, mm. and it's like it still manages to make sure that even though it's all tragic and stuff, you can see the uplifting side of life and you see okay. the point of view the characters are coming from. So it's like you can almost you've got to juxtapose it. They may have got... died, but this look at the yeah. shit they did. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. They pooped in an apple. Look at the beauty of their, the, you know, the they, problems they, they had. They shat all over themselves. Yeah, they shat all over themselves. But um, it's a really, like, just beautiful game. And like I say, those Dear Esther and stuff like that, I get bored of them because there's nothing going on in them. But this one, there is stuff going on. <laughs> I'm fine with, like, a walking simulator type game, as they call them, where it's a narrative adventure. Yeah. But there needs to be something there to play. Yeah. There needs to be... It needs to be a game still. Yeah, it's like I don't I don't mind if like you you're keeping it really simple and keeping the interactions minimal. Like I say, that bound practically most of the interactions in it's holding R two to make a ribbon sway sway around. Yeah, and it's a similar sort of thing. It's a minimalist narrative adventure. Um, that's what this is: it's a narrative adventure. But I I just can't, I can't get on with those like Dear Esther and those other ones because there's like Dear Esther especially. There's nothing in it. Like you might see a ghost in the distance, and that's it. Yeah, that's not in, that's not gameplay. And it tells a different story. It just randomly picks story threads to play to you as you go through it and yeah it's dull um and this is more more involved I'm trying to think of other games that are similar like in terms of how they feel letting you tell a story just by walking around like imagine if they did a version of Bioshock where you just walked around that place and discovered the story as you went instead of shooting everything I would not play it I would I would like that I would like it I I think you could do that with Bioshock Bioshock maybe yeah Bioshock if you could go if you could play Bioshock as one of the citizens and like there were like your life starts out very difficult and then the thing is it Bioshock like it's one of those things where it's trying to tell a very strong narrative story but when you interrupt it with lots and lots of gunplay there's a risk that your player isn't going to be able to get past those parts Hmm. and then they don't experience it whereas if you can just tell a narrative adventure that doesn't punish you for failing anything it just lets you get on with it you can tell a really strong you know yeah I think that it's interesting you say Bioshock because I think that worked really well like I said you could start out like say say you end up yeah, you could do that with no combat and still tell the same story. Yeah, you end up being a splicer, but you don't actually play as a splicer. Instead, you just see where that person began. So say you're born, and immediately from when you're born, your parents pick your first. We still do the same thing because the whole point in Bioshock is: what, do you have any choice in the society and stuff like that? Do you play a role? Or do you make your own choices in life? Well, and have the whole would you kindly stuff playing into? I it, think just... more like an interactive movie style thing, yeah. like more like you are a, you are a citizen of of Rapture before anything around, goes if wrong. You're walking, if in a Bioshock thing, you'd want to be able to walk around Rapture. Oh yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like you would, you would. Yeah. So you would start as a child. It'd be a bit like Fallout Three, yeah. but there would be so Fallout Three. Your first your first mod say you decide, but it's actually your parents' decision. And then from there out, that shapes how your entire life goes. Like there'll be moments where you're you're being put picked on, and your dad like you go home, and your dad's like, "Leave me some steel, dad." Yeah, uh, but you go home, and your dad's there, and he's like, "He's like, son, I know you're being bullied. There's something that I've I've son, got. I yeah. know you're being bullied." <laughs> 
There's something that I've got that I've, I've never a list. used. I like making lists. <laughs> There's something I've got that I've never used. Mm. Maybe you could use it, and it's like a it's like a mod that makes you stronger. Mm. And it's like, well, I you know I know you you shouldn't have your first one until you're 18, but I think that right now if you're going through trouble, I want to make sure that you're being offered everything you can by your parents, and you can even choose to take it's it. It's a mod that lets you fire wasps out. Yeah. Your hand. <laughs> <laughs> you either take it or you say you say no I'm I'm going to go through this and then when you get older it like sort of shapes your next selection mm. of mods and stuff and then like maybe you could there are side stories you can do in side quests where you just walk around and you're just like oh I need flower it's like oh I've got some flower back in my place there needs to be more games that like give you a chance to play them in like a not every game has to be shooty shooty bang bang stuff no. I like shooty shooty bang bang stuff but like sometimes you could easily do games without all that and just make it a fun way of solving puzzles and yeah. Tomb Raider could be done without shooting anything. Like how like that, that was it two thousand eleven, that two or two thousand fourteen that Tomb Raider came out mm. and the game just becomes a murder spree. And yeah. like the best parts of it aren't those parts. The best parts are figuring out how you get around the island and finding locations and travelling stuff. Shame about that sequel though. I've still not played that. I might one day, but eh. But anyway, um, What Remains of Edith Finch is a damn good game. Completely different from everything else this year that I like, that I rate as high, like one of the top games of the year. Um, you know, stuff like Breath of the Wild and all that, like, you know, Persona 5 and Yakuza 0. It's completely different to all those, but it's like, it's a spot on example of how you should be doing these narrative adventure games. I saw someone do um, do their best of the year. Um, yeah. I watched it, watched it a couple of days ago. Hmm. Um, and someone else said Resident Evil, and then someone else also said Breath of the Wild. Yeah. It was like a magazine one where they all... They're ripping us off, blatantly. Yeah, where well, they all picked it. Yeah. And I read the fucking statement for both of them. They are pretty much word-for-word word stuff we said. They're listening. Fuckers. They're listening. Absolute cunts, man. It's Google. Do you reckon it's Google? Because yeah. we don't see the metrics for Google. Because it's American, so we don't get the Mer- we don't get the American re- metrics for our uh, videos. I think, they're rip- I think they're spying on us. Hmm. <gasps> My phone's on! Ah. That's how they're doing it. Anyway, yeah. I don't give a fuck. Um... So this week, Critter Apocalypse has been brought to you by Ant. Emma. New flavoured iron brew. New flavoured iron brew. Tastes just like old iron brew. I don't think it tastes much different. No. People make a big fuss about diet iron brew, but it actually doesn't taste that much different. No. Neither does iron brew extra. No. Iron brew extra is fine. It's not and there's Pepsi. always Tizer. It's not Pepsi Max. Um, <laughs> when are we going to get salty caramel Pepsi over here? I don't know. I don't fucking care. I want it. I don't. Um, just, as like a, just as like a quick close off. Clothes off. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, just no, just a quick close. We make jokes and such about this, uh, this stuff, but um, it has been a very serious level of perverts and pedophiles <laughs> coming out in Hollywood. Um, don't You're still think. good. Yeah. <laughs> Eric Wareheim? <laughs> I don't fucking know. Justin Long? <laughs> he's not He's not raped or molested anyone. Doesn't he? Oh, no. Give him a chance. Anzi Zazari apparently has. Yeah. Oh. Anzi Zazari sounds more like didn't take the hint. <laughs> no, it sounds a bit weird. I read I read the woman's complete thing and it was a bit weird. But um, as much as we make jokes about it... It doesn't sound like malice behind him. No, no, no I think it was just he's him. He's not a Weinstein. I think he's just like... I think he's just a bit of a weirdo. Yeah, maybe. Just a bit quick moving. Yeah. Um, it, as much as we make jokes and stuff, we don't say the stuff in light. Have any Power Rangers done anything yet? No. Um, <laughs> Archie, one of them killed a guy, didn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah, one of them fucking... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and there was oh no, there's an even better. There's one. One of the putties got punched today. There's one that's a real dick move. Um, really? There was a guy who was in Operation Overdrive. Yeah. He fucking went to a par- uh, an event, a signing event. They were signing posters, yeah. which were meant to be for like a charity thing. They were going to be auctioned off. Yeah. He signed the poster and took it, and went home with it. And not only refuses to give it back, but gloats about how he's taken the poster, Fuck, which yeah. was meant to be sold to help kids with cancer. I mean, that's not worse than murder, yeah. but that's still pretty close. I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd call Tommy. I'd call yeah. Jason David Frank to go around his house and, kick the and fuck beat out the of shit him. out of him. He is an MMA fighter. Yeah, he'd he challenge CM Punk once. I would have loved to watch that fight. Yeah, so would I. Uh, but anyway, sorry, back to <laughs> Unless the point. he morphed, that would be yeah. cheating. No, it would be cheating, because he can't use his powers. No. Green Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, sword comes up and goes, maybe it's not you more. But shut up, Sabba. <laughs> you were gone in season three, you dick. Yeah. Um, as much as we make jokes about it, it's a very serious matter. And, and you know, we aren't anywhere near Hollywood, nor will we ever be. But we do like to encourage people, if they are going for anything horrible like that, seek help. Or, you know, call Ant. Ant, what's your, what's your number? I can give it out now. <laughs> Um, but no, seriously, it's it's one of those horrible things that happens in the world. Sadly, we've got to do everything we can to combat this, even if we are small fry pieces of shit who just talk to themselves on the internet. Mm. <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah. Because sometimes I feel like I'm making sensitive jokes about things that I probably shouldn't, and I always feel like it's a good idea to cover that off at the end of the episode. <laughs> Except for that time I called for that guy's blood in the first episode. <laughs> In the first episode. I went back and listened to some of our old episodes. Oh. In the first one, it was just after that guy burnt down Battersea Cats and Dogs Home. Oh, yeah. And I said, let's just find that guy and castrate him. Let's just, let's just find him and burn him alive, shall yeah. we? I mean, I stand by those Except comments. before or after I reviewed the toilet paper? <laughs> I think that was... I think the toilet paper was like third episode. Huh. It wasn't first episode. Wasn't it? No. I thought it was. We had that discussion about ripping and sometimes getting a dip yeah, in Jesus. the chocolate spread. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I but anyway... I tell her, but... <laughs> anyway as always I've been Ant you've been Matt yeah welcome to Cricket, cricket Apocalypse Cricket Apocalypse Cricket Apocalypse Cricket goodbye goodbye <laughs> Rickety Cricket goodbye from Crit Apocalypse and as always have a good one good night good night good, yeah. luck. good night and good luck <laughs> Rickety Cricket seems like you fashion you fashioned this into some sort of piercing stabbing weapon just to fight off enemies oh yeah <laughs> really productive <laughs> uh, bye oh fuck Donald Trump oh we don't want to no one should but he's forced people to isn't so. it funny that there's like a, he had to pay a porn star yeah like, 130 grand yeah and what that she for. didn't get him to pay up so that she would not say she had sex you know yeah <laughs> like obviously it's just so she can save her embarrassment even though it's because she, he did stuff that was bad in a strip club, like really bad, like whipped his cock out and like tried to make her. No suck one him. noticed. No, probably not. Bye. That's why he's got tiny hands. He actually developed the first shrink ray to make his cock look big. Yeah. So he shrank his hands down. <laughs> so he's always like, oh, I've got normal sized hands. He's actually wearing those rubber gloves from Always Sunny. Do you know Jeremy Beadle's got a small cock? Really? But on the other hand, it's quite big. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, so here's a question, though. Here's a question quickly, right? Are we supposed to end the podcast? We are going to spe- end the podcast, but just quickly, right? Are we going to... Should we just speculate who the next one to get ousted is? Because, like, the big ones have happened. I knew yeah, James I mean, Franco. I, I got the... when You know when the paedophile thing was happening? Yeah. It was, like, Jimmy Savile on that. Yeah. And I said Dave Lee Travis, and it was next. Like, yeah. I was... <laughs> 
Because, right, so James Franco, we called years ago because he tried to fuck a 14-year-old in the UK, didn't he? Yeah, everyone he? knew that. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, Jared Leto, you said last year, he still hasn't been called to called a coop for that, has he? There's That stuff's out there already and it's worrying that it hasn't been picked up. But so yeah. was the Louis C.K. stuff, so... Yeah. Louis C.K., it was always like a weird thing that he mm. joked about as well. I reckon that the next one we're going to have something about is... We've already had Sylvester Stallone, oddly enough. Yeah, it's been That's not until the carpet, yeah. carpet, isn't it? Stanley, Stanley, yeah. which is super dubious one though. Well, it's apparently Stan- they took money from his account and brought a house. He's so fucking old; it could just be that he's losing his fucking mind. Yeah, that too. He's ninety-five. Yeah, um, I don't see Bruce Willis happening too. I don't too. think he'd be bothered, would he? No, yeah. Jean Claude Van Damme. It's the same. Too busy with drugs and fighting. You reckon? Know, Van Damme's a bit. I saw the other day there was new revelations, some new accusations against Steven Seagal, and I was like, oh, another one for the yeah. pile. Steven Seagal, who locked people in his basement, sex dungeon, he's a pervert. Surprise, so fucking surprise. Beat his page three model wife. Yep. Yep, piece of shit. Patchy, was it Patsy Kensett? <laughs> no. I always say Patsy Kensett because it's someone I know. No, the one who was um, in Weird Science. Kelly oh, The Rock. Really? He was married to her. What? Yeah. God. What did she do wrong in a past life? She was in Weird Science. No, Weird Science is great. It is a great film, isn't yeah. it? Bye. Stop oh, wait, talking wait, about wait, stuff. Podcast. I reckon. I reckon, and this is this is going to be this is a critical first. I reckon it's going to be. Um, you want to game? The fuck is that kid? What was that kid from Wolf of Wall Street? Sheila Booth. No, Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Who is it? Fucking not. The one who acted alongside... He won an Oscar for it. Or he got nominated for an Oscar for it. The fat guy. <laughs> the guy from fucking Superbad. <laughs> you know it, don't you? I can't remember. He's oh, shit. God fucking damn it. He's in 21 Jump Street. I can name every fucking film he's in. I can't remember his fucking name. <laughs> I was going to say Fat Stevens. Fat <laughs> 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 One second, one second. Let me just let me just say it before we end the podcast because it's gonna no. fucking kill me if it's if it's um, if we don't. Uh... <laughs> it's gonna fucking. Why are you trying to make a game out of predicting? Who's I'm not the next... Jonah Hill. I reckon Jonah, Jonah Hill. Hill is gonna be the next one to. I reckon ah. he's gonna get. Yeah, I reckon he's done some dark shit. Ah. I reckon he's done some dark shit. Ah. I reckon he's done some really fucking weird stuff. Because you remember how weird he was in Forty Year Old Virgin, don't you? Uh, Why is that popping noise downstairs before I say? Oh, it's someone breaking in, stealing stuff. Yeah. Uh, bye. Bye. Bye.